Yeah. Come take a seat, guys. Wow, fantastic. Uh, it's such a privilege to be standing on the stage here at the Sydney Obede House. Um, it's, uh, it's an absolute thrill. I've used that joke three years in a row and it's still works. It's less work. It didn't work as well this year, let's face it. Um, but this is really, this is really exciting. Um, when I got asked to uh, maybe put together this, this panel of digital satirists, I was absolutely thrilled because um, satire is kind of changing and the internet is an excellent breeding ground for new comics and new ideas. And I thought, why not pull some of the best people who I follow online and meet them in real life? Because after October 13, with the data retention laws in, um, I don't think I'll get a chance. Uh, so it's, a, it's an absolute Absolute thrill to have them here. Uh, so first up, let's uh, go through here. James Colley. He is a <laughs> look at this fan. Oh, massive fans. <laughs> is your mum here? No, no, no. <laughs> but no, thanks no. for bringing that up. <laughs> no, I'm really. This is It's my birthday it's tomorrow. This is a point. James Colley, a Walkley Award. Uh, Losing. Walkley. Well, yeah, sorry. Walkley, nominated. Uh, nominated, yeah. Walkley nominated satirist. Uh, he's the creator of The Backburner on SBS. He's also a writer for Junkie um, and, and The Gruen Transfer and The Weekly. And uh, Herald Sun columnist Andrew Bolt describes James as utterly unfunny with humour of the kind would only make Lennon laugh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, pretty good. He, James, to be fair, yep. Lennon was not cheerful <laughs> and making him laugh is pretty good. <laughs> pretty difficult. Over this side, Kate McCartney. Writer, director, performer, her credits include Kathleen Kim, Big Bite, Hamish and Andy, Dirty Laundry Live and so many more TV shows, but we're all here because she made an incredible YouTube series called The Catering Show. Uh, yes. To this date, more than four million hits online. Kate McCartney. James Jericho founded a satire site called theshovel.com.au. After... After realising no one else is going to publish his exclusive expose about the real use for George Brandis's bookshelf, uh, that's good. The Shovel has gone on to be featured in the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and as the editor of the Shovel, uh, James notes that he is uh, that he has. Uh, uh, he's a regular commentator on, on Australian uh, satire, but also in 2015, in June, he kick-started a national campaign to find Bill Shorten. Uh, and <laughs> how's that campaign going, James? Uh, look, still very, very uh, early days. Very early days. Any, any information at all, please? Uh, <laughs> Call Crime Stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebecca Shaw. <laughs> Twitter people, fantastic. <laughs> These are our people, this is great. Fantastic. Also known as Brockle Snitch, am I saying it right? Yes, very good. Brockle Snitch. <laughs> a writer, podcaster, creator of the Twitter parody account Say No to Feminism. She's a columnist for, for Kill Your Darlings Journal, a writer with James at the back burner, writes for The Junkie and The Guardian as well. And uh, she is uh, in constant competition with Ruby Rose uh, to become Australia's favourite lesbian. <laughs> Beck Shaw. And Jordan Shanks is the creator of the Friendly Geordies podcast. Are you guys coming in? You want to come and grab a seat? Come and grab a seat. Plenty of seats down here. I don't know who... I think they're freebies. Qantas didn't turn up, so you can just... Oh, let's rag on them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're a sponsor. Uh, but... Uh... <laughs> 
They won't be Dangerous ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Google's logo. Um, Jordan Sag Shanks, ladies and gentlemen, it started the Friendly Geordies on YouTube. <laughs> At the vanguard of some of the most interesting lo-fi YouTube news satire stuff, and uh, it's really a privilege to have all of these guys here. Let's give them another round of applause. Uh, I don't know, you may have noticed um, that the tickets for this session were slightly higher than the rest. That's because we uh, got this session halal certified. So uh, it's... <laughs> Not a big deal, but just thought you should know. Uh, that's the reason why. So we're totally cool here. Um, all right. Now, what we're going to do today is we'd, I thought we'd just do a bit of a state of uh, the satire, if you like, go through everyone's work so you can familiarise yourselves with it. Um, and then we're going to open up to questions. And if you've got questions um, after the time, when the time comes, um, we've got two microphones down here. So feel free to jump in. Tell us what you think or... Or, you know, you can tweet us. We're not, I'm not looking on Twitter, so that's okay. Um, let's start off with Note of Feminism. Uh, Beck Shaw. Uh, yes. Here is a great tweet from um, Note of Feminism. Could you read it out for us? Yeah. <laughs> I've never read any of these out loud. So you haven't read any of these out loud? No. Well, here's your chance. Exclusive. Great. Um, I don't need femims. Women can't be leaders. What if they get periods? They might start a war over a bad reason, a thing men have never done. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Your account is, uh, is turned into a bit of a sensation, but my question starts um, with the picture. Where did you get this picture? Where did you get your avatar um, from? <laughs> I think I Googled woman. <laughs> 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 Something like... I, use, I do that a lot, <laughs> uh, I actually Googled woman too and that found it in Getty yeah. Images. So <laughs> I thought that was, that was fantastic. I liked it. We did the same thing and I found it. I, found it. I was like, she just looks like a woman. She's just a woman. I Googled woman crossed arms and this one came up. Exactly. Incredible. And you've got so many, uh, your, your followers are just incredible. They're, 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 they're so huge, the amount of followers you have. How did you find yourself coming to this in huge number? Like how did you go viral? Um, I have no idea. So I, there was the Women Against uh, Feminism Tumblr that started about a year ago, and it was sort of just a response to that. And um, I thought I would just start it and send three tweets, and it would get no traction, and then I would give up immediately, because <laughs> that's what I do if something's not successful straight away. Um, and yeah, just for some reason it hit, especially in the US, with some followers, and then... Um, it got some more well-known followers that have started retweeting it and, yeah, it just took off. It just hit a nerve, I guess, and just the right time for it. Do you feel like it's, um, it's almost like you, you now have to keep it up? Like, do you feel obligated to continue it? Yes, but um, whenever I think it's getting a bit stale, like something really awful and sexist happens. <laughs> so, thanks, misogyny. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then because the good thing is I can kind of, because it's on Twitter, I can respond instantly to things that happen in the news or whatever, so it is kind of always current with stuff that's going on. Well, let's read some of the top ones. Uh, oh, before we do that, feminism is traditionally spelt this way, uh, but that's... your Twitter handle, say no to feminism, do you have a name for her other than woman who says no to feminism? Uh, do you have no. like a nickname woman. that you have? <laughs> woman. Woman. Yeah. Does, why does woman spell feminism this way? 
Um, <laughs> I, I started it because I kind of wanted it to be um, like funny and a bit absurd as well, like to kind of counterpoint with the more serious issues that it would take on. And that's kind of like a weird Twitter thing is to misspell some words. So I, I just, I only misspell that word and all the other words are um, correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and it works. It's fun. It's good. People like it. Well, could you, would you do us the pleasure of reading some of that? Some of them out yes. for us. Great. All right. Let's go through them. Strap in, guys. Uh, I don't need feminists because feminists are always so angry. They should be happy and relaxed, like the men who send death threats to them online. <laughs> I don't need femim. Target removed gender signs on toys and I've been wandering the aisles for days, scared and confused. <laughs> Ate Play-Doh to survive. <laughs> I don't need feminims. <laughs> Marriage equality? What next? Other kinds of equality? <laughs> Where will this end? Everyone being equal? Terrifying. <laughs> I don't need feminim. Can't wait for Woody Allen's latest movie, Cranky Baby Man and Woman Too Young for him. Hashtag popcorn. Hashtag's very important. <laughs> I don't need femsonim. Women shouldn't breastfeed in public. How am I meant to enjoy lunch while seeing a woman keep a baby alive? <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> I don't need femsonim because God made Adam and Eve not equal pay for equal work. <laughs> When I was putting this slide presentation together, every time I added one, I just laughed and laughed and laughed again. Do you ever get, do you, do you ever laugh when you're writing it yourself? Do you ever go, ha ha, ha I can't wait to put this uh, one out? No. You don't? <laughs> well, let's continue. <laughs> I don't need femems. I love that my man is powerful and strong and has beautiful long hair and I can get on his back. I oh, know I married a horse. <laughs> I don't need feminists. It is so fun going clubbing and doing the hottest new dance. Never let your glass out of your sight in case it gets spiked. That is a great dance. That's good. I don't need feminists. If women don't want to be assaulted, why don't they just avoid places it happens, like everywhere and also in their homes? <laughs> wow. When you're tweeting these, it is obviously behind every tweet there is a sad truth. Yeah. Do you ever write one and go... Uh, that's, I don't know whether that's too sad. Uh, no, I think it's, I've, I've pretty much, I, I kind of um, like do absurd ones like the horse one, but then if I think it makes it more effective to do the really serious issues that come along. Yeah. And I think it's an effective way to kind of get a point across without having to write like a slate article or whatever. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's yeah. much quicker. Yeah, you don't need a pillow to read it either. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Um, also, I want to talk about your audience, and I think audience for all of us uh, in the game is um, pretty interesting. Uh, when we're working in such a in such a space where context often is nowhere to be seen for the jokes we put out, you kind of get responses like this, where people don't know if you're being serious. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, I, I'll, I'll read this one out for you. Now, uh, you just sound like a stupid fucking C word. It's a satire account. Uh, if you say so, guess I'm stupid or maybe just different to you. <laughs> <laughs> very different. Very, yes. 
very. My favorite thing is that one's from Gabrielle oh, as well. Um, my favorite thing is I'll tweet something like, "I was, I want a real man. I was furious when my husband turned out to be four possums in a trench coat," oh. and someone will reply. Why do you hate women? <laughs> wow. It is like a direct bit... response to a thing about possums. It is. <laughs> so weird. It is very strange because the jokes you are making, um, if, if, if they were real, are really horrible. And if people yeah. can't read the irony, you, there is a small risk you put people off, but you don't want those people anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think there's a, um, a guy from Orange is the New Black, an actor, discovered the account and he went on a big retweeting spree... And I think a lot of people were, like, thinking that he was retweeting them uh, genuinely. So it was... Right. Yeah, oh, right. Very the, with no irony. That Here's was an... just a brag about the Orange is the New Black guy. <laughs> 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 so you to get in there somewhere. Worth doing, worth doing. Yeah. Ruby Rose. Oh, coming. Here's another one. <laughs> what about this one? Deactivate. That's just on my Snitch account. <laughs> so I get all the time. Yeah, I get a lot of those just telling me to delete my account and that sort of thing, but... How does it make you feel, even on your Brockle Snitch account, when you know <laughs> you only get a deactivate or a, or a log uh, off? I don't care. <laughs> That's good. They, yeah, because a lot of the times, if if they don't get it, that means, or they get angry at me for it, it means we're on the same side because we both do like feminism. Yep. So they're kind of their heart is in the right place, telling me to fuck off or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So I, keep I, get, that in. I get James Colley uh, tells me to log off when I do a pun on Twitter. So yeah, you know, I feel that. I'm right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, please thank Beck. Thank you. Moving on. James Jericho, the shovel. Uh, well, well, you, Sorry, you've no. got to do it. We've got the shovel behind you here, up in full full glory. Um, this is yesterday's shovel. Um, tell us, um, where did you? How did you start the shovel? It's kind of gone over the last three years. I've seen the trajectory of it grow significantly. Um, how did how did it all start for you? Yeah, I started about four years ago when no one else really wanted to publish the, the investigative journalism that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to do it myself. I was actually looking today at the very first article and it was about the, the Queensland state election. Not the one we just had, but the one three or four years ago when they got actually, uh, Labor got absolutely trounced and they won uh, eight seats. And, and the first article was um, IKEA renames their, their eight-seater table um, the Australian Labor Party <laughs> um, in commemoration. Um, you know, enough, enough to fit your whole family or an entire um, political movement. Um, but, look, that one was read by about two people, I think, my mum and um, someone she forwarded it to. But it's, <laughs> it's um, grown a little bit since then. Yeah, excellent. Well, let's read out some of those headlines now. Uh, you, if you could do us the honours, that'll be great. Uh, family reliant on government handouts uh, to have <laughs> second child. Very nice, yeah. Leadership speculation. Tony Abbott confident he'll lead in the party until at least 1959. <laughs> Very nice. Catastrophic spelling error sees Australian croquet team take to field in fourth test. Explains a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, Joe Hockett to use $200,000 defamation money to buy 10 exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> this is the satire panel, just want to make that clear. Yeah. Uh, everything we're saying on here is a joke. Search of the it's a very funny headline, such simplicity, and of course coming out around the same time as the uh, uh, ex expedition to Pluto. Yeah. Uh, how does something like this, this is also now 
kind of transcended this idea into a bit of a meme. How do we see, like, um, this idea that Bill Shorten is nowhere to be seen kind of grow from a headline to, to ubiquity? Look, I just hope he does do something because my, my greatest fear is that Tony Abbott loses an election because it's going to put a lot of people out of work um, <laughs> in, the, in the comedy sphere. So we really We're all going to have to deactivate. It's <laughs> We're going to need Bill Shorten to step up and do something. Um, otherwise, this is going to be this joke over and over again. Just anything, really. <laughs> uh, Japan's scientific research program still yet to uncover while whales dive and speed to the giant harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Abbott announces new rebate scheme for rooftop of power stations. They look gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Uh, Australians are able to keep holidaying in Bali. With hard work and an entrepreneur... Oh. Uh, with hard work and an entrepreneurial spirit, anyone named Bush or Clinton can make it here, American soul. I like, I like how the man with the broken arm is forced to use the... Uh, <laughs> We have lifters and leaners, so, you know. <laughs> uh, God for forgets to send plague to destroy Ireland <laughs> after the uh, same-sex marriage referendum. <laughs> Dyson Hayden, unaware of royal commissioners in the good party hangout. Right. Uh, the V word is, is virality. Now, there's a couple of things here that, um, that I'm going to show um, that, of James's work that aren't strictly... The first one is not actually strictly part of the shovel, but an idea that I saw pop up in my newsfeed. I don't know if you guys saw it as well. Uh, around the same time that uh, Abbott put out a memo to the Cabinet saying that we all need to stay on message and say that we are a Cabinet that is, uh, that is finally working. What was the phrase he used? Uh, the Cabinet, uh, cabinet is uh, functioning exceptionally well. Functioning slept very well. And so, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but this is James's work. <laughs> really funny. What, what? Do you want to read the... Uh... Oh, I'll read it. Okay. As you can see from this picture, our cabinet is functioning exceptionally well. Pretty much as new condition. No damage whatsoever, no cracks beginning to show, every part working exactly as it should be. No surprises. Keeps everything neat and tidy. The last cabinet was chaos. <laughs> very modern looking, also very sturdy. Good at stopping things. Does leak from time to time. Comes with flag. <laughs> What I liked about this was some of the responses. Um, a lot of people wanted to buy this cabinet. Um, <laughs> but we got some responses, some questions, really. Does it come with a speaker? <laughs> and one absolute weirdo asked whether there were any women inside the cabinet. Wow, that's funny. That's excellent. And this one? How the abolition of the carbon tax changed my life. Australian women share their stories. So this was, this was a while ago. This was after... This is almost not a news piece, but like a Mamma Mia-esque sort of clickbaity. Yeah, it is. Um, this was at the time when Tony Abbott said that the greatest achievement as Minister of Women was um, the carbon tax. And it was a genuine time when I, was, when I thought it was a joke. I remember seeing the article, um, not this article, but the, the real news story, Online, the headline being Minister Women for Women says uh, greatest <laughs> achievement is abolishing the carbon tax. And I thought it was just a sub editor having a bit of a laugh, you know, having a bit of a joke. But no, no, he actually said that. 
So I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to, to get, you know, some, some, some responses from actual women, how it has changed their life, and, and that's what this article is about. Love this one here. The guys at work take me seriously now. They look at me in the eye when they talk to me, not at my carbon tax. <laughs> and this one is the most I've seen. This is, I've seen this one everywhere. This is, uh, just out of, out of curiosity, who has seen this one in their news feed? Look at this, fantastic. <laughs> So, this, I mean, I'm sure most of you, anyone who's been to a concert over the last five years has seen the guy who's not just taking a photo of a concert, but's actually videoing the entire thing <laughs> and watching it through his phone. And I just think, dude, you're, you're actually here. You're, you're, actually, you're actually at the concert. And I've just got this, this image of... Yeah. Of, of these guys going home and watching this shitty little um, low-quality... No, it would have been nice to have been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wish I was there. It almost feels like I'm there. Uh, everyone, please thank James. That was great. Uh, I'm going to show a quick little video. James, uh, Collie and I worked on a little project called Irrational Fear. Did, was anyone here at Irrational Fear last year or the year before? Oh, great, fantastic, um, uh, oh, brilliant, fantastic. So we thought I'd just show you kind of what we did. This was, um, uh, we ran an online crowdfunding campaign and we made a bunch of stuff and popped it online and we did that last year. And uh, this is our report back video. We can dim the lights for a couple of minutes on this one. Dan Illick here from Irrational Fear. Now, three and a bit months ago, we asked your help to create a 10-week season of digital satire. <laughs> it's now week 12, and if you haven't been paying attention, here's what you've been missing. During that time, we've created over 40 videos, mashups, and parodies, and complicated news stories boiled down to bite-sized funnies. Make it rain! And we've written and produced tons of graphics for you to share online through our social media channels, and share you did. According to our Facebook stats, our content reached over 1.5 million of you. That's about 125 times the number of people who actually watch Channel 10's Breakfast Show, which is why we were happy to help them out. This is a meme that we've been working on. Yeah, um, try to get this one going for all you uh, guys. Never forget. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna. That's what we're working on at the moment. Too soon? Well, I don't know. I think we'll go viral. Our content regularly appeared on The Guardian, dozens of other news websites, as well as The Drum on ABC News 24, Triple J's Hack, and ABC's Media Watch. And full credit to the crew at satirical site Irrational Fear for devising the prank and creating a fake blog site for what it's perth to help them play the trick. Was anybody fooled? Well, one man, perhaps. WA votes. Interesting viewing after missing votes debacle by Australian Electoral Commission. Clive F. Palmer. During all of this, we put on a couple of sellout live shows and gave work and a platform to some of the best upcoming writers, comedians, and digital creators. And it's all thanks to you. In just 30 days, you raised over $52,000. Incredible. And if you're wondering where your t shirts are, they're coming. We've been busy. Is that it for irrational fear? Well, it's kind of up to you, our audience. You are 58% male and over half of you are aged between 18 and 24. If only there was some kind of way to fund this kind of quality content to such a highly prized demographic. Now, we know you'd like to see us back, but when we'll be back or what form we'll be back in, well, that's an ongoing operational matter. But irrational fear will be back because there's always something to be scared of. How did I look? Could do it better. There we go. That was a rational fear. And uh, 
pretty happy to announce that uh, the podcast will be back. Uh, we're going to record our first one on Thursday, so that'll be, uh, that'll be great. And I know, is Alex Gabbett in the house? Where are you, Alex? <laughs> yeah, stand up and, and take a bow. Alex did a lot of our graphics work, so if you're a big fan of ours, uh, please. <laughs> but next, we should talk about the backburner, James Colley. Somewhere over the last 24 months, SBS said, gee, it would be great to have our marquee wrapped around some crazy fucking headlines. <laughs> yeah, How did you convince SBS to, uh, to, to launch the backburner? Oh, it was, we just walked in and went, God, aren't you sick of all this credibility? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if someone just wrecked that brand you built for 40 years on trustworthiness? <laughs> um, no, they, they came and asked us uh, if we wanted to do... Uh, uh, um, like a daily news update. Uh, we didn't want to call it the back burner. Uh, I wanted to call it the last post. Uh, <laughs> and they said, very inappropriate way to start. Uh, we'll put that on the back burner, and that's how it got that name. But then, Have uh, you had any phone calls from Peter Burner going, God, can I write for you guys? That'd be really great. We've had some <laughs> phone calls from ministers. <laughs> but no, we're mostly okay. Really? Who, who's phoned you? I'm definitely not telling you yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go through some of your headlines. James, if you do this, the honour of yeah. reading them out. Uh, homeopaths totally baffled by cordial. <laughs> Nation stops to watch grown men violently beat horses. Same-sex couple threaten not to give a shit if other couple divorces. Man dehydrates after discovering water is Halal certified. <laughs> Bill Shorten caught in Chinese figure trap. <laughs> Where did that headline come from? Just from this picture? Did you there just... is no, no. This the picture was found after the fact, and that's so great for us. Um, Bill Shorten's character, when we're writing him in the back burner, is a perpetually optimistic but perpetually disappointed twelve-year-old boy. <laughs> So he's someone who buys an ice cream and it falls off immediately. That's who Bill Shorten is to us. That's, that is such genius. When, you're, when, you're, when you, say, you talk about Bill Shorten being a character, do you have character profiles for other politicians as well? Like, how, uh, how, bit, what's, your ma- what's your matrix look like there? Like, uh, there's some people who, um, they form the face of ideas more than anything else. Uh, I, I like, uh, even though we've mostly run positive things on him, uh, Ricky Muir really in my mind, and it's mostly just my little brainchild, is that uh, he seems like your dad has wandered in to Parliament thinking it's a Bunnings. <laughs> yeah, so, so like we have little things, like, and like there's certain images from politicians you have to keep in mind. You have to keep in mind that like, David Lionhell has said every so often that he goes up into his attic and pets his guns. You need to remember that we didn't make that up. That were like so you need to remember things like it's that. It's happening. <laughs> uh, Julia Gillard rushed to hospital after overdosing on Schadenfreude. <laughs> Apparently, she read that and quite liked it. <laughs> <laughs> then fell off her chair laughing. <laughs> uh, Bill Shorten reverses Labor's policy of standing for something. Wow. Young white male decides Australia Day isn't problematic. (laughs) Bill Shorten accidentally calls Tony Abbott dad. (laughs) I forgot that one. It's uh, kind of interesting, like, when you're coming up with headlines, what comes first, the story or the headline? This, I guess, is for you too, James. So what what kind of works 
It's, it's always, so we have the story, then you get an angle on the story, then you have to play some weird haiku to fit that into one line. And so in one line you need to of get course, the story Of course, Beck, jump in on this yeah. as well. You're right. I forgot you're, you're right for this as well. Like, what's yeah. your yeah. <laughs> but like you, get, you get the story across and then you try and get the topic, the idea, so it's clear to everyone who knows the story what you're mm. talking about and then a joke all in one little packet. Yeah. Is that the same kind of experience, Beck? Yeah, I think... Some of it, a lot of it comes down to just rewording stuff once you have the idea to try to make it fit and make sense. Mm. And also if the story isn't big enough um, or if it, you've got to make sure that you can describe what, it, what the story is in one sentence so it's like recognisable as soon as someone looks at it, which is quite difficult. James, what's your process like? Yeah, very similar. The, the headline is everything. And I think we've just shown it here tonight, yeah. you know, the fact that we can get such a big laugh just out of reading a headline shows that there's so much you can... That's what I love about satire. There's so much you can do in just five or six words. I think we've got a few more of these left, uh, Collie. Oh, boy. <laughs> Pissing cardboard box in Sydney sells for 590,000. No, I believe... Yeah, I believe that one was... Um, uh, was that was, was really viral, that one, right? Uh, yeah, it was, it was one of our bigger ones. Um. Do you want to read out one, um, one of your favourites there? Do you want me to do this one? Yeah. Uh, this one? Oh, great. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Uh, Sydney property prices are under scrutiny once again as a piss-stained cardboard box abandoned in an alleyway in Paddington was sold at auction over the weekend for $590,000. It's the third such box that has attracted a price this month <laughs> and the most piss-soaked of the bunch. <laughs> The sale has reignited a fury at housing affordability in Sydney, with some young people believing they will never own their own garbage can <laughs> and might not even be able to afford rent on the pits dug into swampland. <laughs> Certainly I would have hoped someday to own my own piss-stained cardboard box, said one young professional. <laughs> it just seems so impossible in these current conditions. I can't envisage a future where one day I can look at a box stained with human urine lying in a street corner and smile to myself and think, that's mine. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking with you uh, yesterday and you said that you said something interesting that, and that I thought I should um, remind you about here. It's when you're, you've kind of told your backburner writers to think about when they're working on quotes when people are talking mm. in your stories, uh, to think of it as the text message you accidentally sent. Yeah, the, the text that you wish you hadn't sent. Right. Like, the idea is, like, so... If, say, the story's about Dutton or about Sean or about anyone, it would be if you get a question at a press conference you don't like, you know, because ministers are people, you know the first thought in their head is, you motherfucker. <laughs> like, and it's that. It's what, like, before the press training kicks in, it's when they go, oh, what I should say is this delicately worded thing, but every quote in the back burner is before they get that chance. Excellent. And uh, I, I, I keep flicking back to this uh, accidentally, but I wanted to bring up one other contentious thing. Is you have a fan in Andrew Bolt? <laughs> <laughs> he has called for my job three times. Uh... <laughs> and I love this line in this article here uh, from Andrew Bolt. He says, uh, SBS even pays people to look up funny YouTube clips and repost them on a few SBS sites. Um, what I like about that is that's exactly what just kind of what he's done here. He's curated an experience for his audience too. <laughs> Can I like... The, the couple things I want to address on this, though. So, um, Andrew Bolt, uh, his problem is uh, that satire often leans to the right. That's not, it leans towards power. Satire is sociopathic. If Clive Palmer suddenly had the national agenda, we're going to rip into Clive Palmer. Mm. Uh, 
And also, the reason there isn't more right-wing satire in this nation is because you're it, mate. Like, that, you can't step more absurdly to the side of you. James Colley, everyone. Kate McCartney, it's your turn now. We're talking about the catering show. Um, this came, kind of came out of nowhere last year. It really uh, blew everyone's socks off, and so far, over four million views yeah. on YouTube. Um, did you have any inkling as to how big this would play? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because of the rest of the trajectory of our careers. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely a, not. That's right. I, uh, I've worked a lot with Kate McLennan, um, and I, I dragged Kate McLennan into uh, Beaconsfield a musical in A-flat minor, uh, and uh, if that's anything indication of the level of our careers, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us where did it come from? How did, how did you guys come about to, to make this? Um, it, was, it was based on, I mean, it's, it's a real story, you know, write what you know, and what I know is my bowel complaints. So, I, um, so uh, yeah, it's based, McLennan, we write together every single day, so it was based on McLennan being just this hideous foodie and me not giving a shit. <laughs> so we sort of, yeah, we based it kind of on that and then extrapolated, using that as kind of a, as a, as a cover for other issues that we wanted to talk about. I guess. How do you feel about kind of so blatantly sharing your bowel issues with four million people? <laughs> no, I really come. I'm fine with it. Um, what I love here <laughs> I is really the am. attention to detail. That um, beautiful ring around the catering show logo is actually um, Kate's lower intestine. Thank you. Yeah, uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, watch a little bit of it, eh? We've been getting some great feedback from our YouTube fans. Sputnik59 writes, Hi girls, I want to f*** you in the face. Oh, oh that's nice. So lovely. Yeah. We've also got this email from SnagProfit12 who writes, Hey ladies, would love to see you do a kitchen road test of a household appliance. Also, I want to f*** you in the face. Well, <laughs> SnagProfit12, we're going to give you what you want. That's right, we're going to road test everybody's Yerda Lieblingsküchengut, the Thermomix. So what is a Thermomix, I hear anyone under the age of 33 ask? It's a blender, a microwave, an ice bucket and a set of kitchen scales. It's a gangbang of kitchen appliances that's created a futuristic robot saucepan. It's the kind of appliance that your rich mother-in-law gives you as a wedding gift because she doesn't think you can cook. Or something that you buy yourself because you've always wanted to join a cult but you don't have the energy for the group sex. One thing's for sure, though. If you buy a Thermomix, you will not regret it. You will love it. And you will tell everyone you love it. Because you just spent $2,000 on something you can't get a refund on. It's like an IVF baby that ends up being a psychopath. You have no choice but to love it. Unless, of course, you got it from Thailand. In which case, you just leave Live it there. Behind. <laughs> I thought we'd get out there. If you haven't seen it, you're going to, uh, after this, I'll tweet everyone's um, uh, mm. social contacts so you can follow up, but make sure you check out the catering show. It is just sensational. It's so funny. How many episodes? Six, was it? Six, yes. And um, uh, is it coming back at all? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, if you follow, does anyone follow the catering show on Facebook? Uh, excellent. Well, they released this video uh, as a follow-up. Hi, I'm Kate McLennan. I'm Kate McCartney. We're wearing makeup. You might recognise us from the catering show. <laughs> when our series first went to air, people kept Online. saying... What? 
was online. Whatever. In our series first went online, people kept saying to us, love the show. Love the show? When are you making more eps? Yeah, when are you going to make some more eps? Make some more fucking eps. Yeah, make some more fucking eps, you lazy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> but we couldn't. Could we, Millie? No. We lost a lot of very lucrative advertising opportunities. Didn't we, mate? is McCartney's stitches have healed and we're ready to get back in the kitchen for series two. We're going to film it in September. September? Yep. Really? Yes. Nothing else happening in September for nope. you? No major life event happening? There we go. October. We'll film it in October. Mate, you're not going to be ripped from us on a breakfast. That's not going to happen. No, I've been using coconut oil. Like heaps of it. Like you should see it. When I leave the house, I just get attacked by rats. It's a nightmare. <laughs> November. We'll film it in November. Early, mid. Late. Very late. Very late November. We're going to film it in very late November. And then it's going to go into sound and the edit and then the big wigs upstairs are probably going to throw in their two cents. Yeah. So we'll get it to you no later than mid-2016. You're welcome. Cheers. We'll Cheers. see you then. <laughs> yeah, I can have one a day. Yeah, I can have one a day and one at night. It's going to be a bit of heartburn though. Um, and I, I love this comment from Facebook. I hope this means you'll be trialling recipes from Pete Evans's Poison Your Baby cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kate McCartney, will we see a, a Pete Evans-style joke? He, he makes a... Yeah, he, he features. Excellent. Yes. Um, so, when Millie... How long between finishing the series and having Millie... How, how did that all pan out? Uh, not well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we... Are we fit? Well, we shot it at the end of last year. Oh no, I was in my second trimester when we shot it, and wow. then I was, and then it exploded when I had six weeks to go. I was so fucking tired. <laughs> wow, wow, <laughs> it was horrible. I think I think it's really admirable that you're still making comedy and being a mother at the same time. It's very good. Yeah, thanks. I'm very tired. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I think we all appreciate it. Great job. Mm. Um, uh, let me see. Oh, how would I have said it? Oh yeah, hang on. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, when it comes back, yeah. are you going to be working on anything else as well yeah we've got another another thing that we're working on another <laughs> she it. says cryptically but we can't you can't no, tell us anything about I it i can't at all it's funny can we <laughs> can we have like I a little hope. a little snip a little snippet uh uh it's a narrative thing great narrative, narrative half an hour all right great excellent kate mccartney thing. everyone yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, Geordie, let's get to your stuff. For some of your friendly Geordies uh, gear is up next. Um, tell me about um, the kind of style of comedy that you're, you're doing on, on YouTube. Uh, well, I said is I bought a camera from... I didn't even buy the camera from Kmart. My dad gave it to me and I was like, this camera sucks, but it's the only <laughs> thing that I had. It was like a hundred bucks. <laughs> There it is. The friendly Geordie's tale begins. Like, that was it, yeah. Uh, it's, it is incredibly lo-fi, but I think that's such a great part of the charm of it. That it's, it's lo-fi, it's fast-paced. Um, and uh, how have you kind of built an audience for this? You're up to 100,000 subscribers. Uh, it's just, look, it's like anything in life, right? Devote your entire life to it. Like, I... I I don't have any friends anymore, you know? I've got, like, <laughs> two business associates and a girlfriend that I kind of see, you know? Like, she might have dumped me, I don't know. Like, I'm busy on this. <laughs> uh, let's, ta let's take a look at one of your clips. 
He fought his way into being Prime Minister. If you want to stop poor old defenceless Gina Reinhardt from making $18.7 billion in a single year and only paying a few million in tax, you're going to have to get past me, mate. Come on, Tony, let's at least discuss this. After all, we are in Parliament. What? We are? I thought we were in a boxing ring. After rejecting reform after reform, regardless of whether it helped Australia, Tony Abbott somehow stumbled into being top dog. But now he's going to have to take on his biggest opponent yet. The climate. Invisible substance. Tony, your policy's just pissing in the wind, mate. No, it's not. That's plan B. Harder for him to believe in. The climate change science uh, is far from settled. Haven't you at least watched an inconvenient truth? I haven't watched any movies. I've been too busy reading the Bible. We're the only Admitted, Tony, the polar ice caps are melting. Is in his mind. God said there wouldn't be another flood after Noah's Ark! Tony Abbott versus the entire atmosphere. It's gonna be a hell of a fight! Direct action, token effort. Available now in reality. Please press the subscribe button now. Come on. Uh, really great stuff. And uh, all of Geordie's videos are like this. They're, they're, they're fast, they're frenetic, they're full of characters. Uh, and you play most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, who, how many people work on these videos? How many people help you put this together? I've got a producer and editor. At this point, it was just me, but uh, recently, because we've got extra funding, and if you've got a couple of dollars, guys, <laughs> patreonfriendlyjordies.com. <laughs> but uh, now we've got a social media organiser, we've got a producer, editor, and we've also got this guy that just, like, posts memes on Instagram, and we pay him $200 a week, and... Uh, we're going to tell him we're going to fire him because that's not enough, basically. <laughs> uh, excellent. Exclusive scoop. <laughs> Just learning Just that tweet. from the camera. Surprise! <laughs> you should probably tweet that or Instagram it uh, and uh, he'll find out real quick. Um, talk, talk to us about being on every channel. You're one of the few uh, groups that is really per- making purpose-built content for each platform. Is it important to make something specific for every platform you're working in? Yes, Definitely. YouTube is fine because that's for all the fans, right? That's that, so you can make video content as long as you like. I've made ones that are 10 minutes, and then you look at how many long people have been looking for it, and they've just watched the whole way through, right? But as soon as you're on Facebook, the demographic gets younger, and they're just like, this isn't five funny faces in five seconds. <laughs> you know, they're just out of it, you know? So you've got to do something completely different for that. So you start posting on Instagram photos, I mean, Instagram videos, which are, I don't know, like... Jesus, there's a lot of bald people in the audience. Like, oh. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like, you just got to, I don't know, Instagram is the new Facebook. Like, as soon as you guys went on Facebook, we went to Instagram, you know? So, like, so, but we're trying to attract people to Instagram, which is just, like, 15-second little clips. It's very fast-paced. So, like, that's, yeah, it, go, it went, the evolution went YouTube, as long as you like, 
Facebook, you've got to make things kind of short, like within five minutes, maybe, maybe shorter than that. Instagram, 15 seconds. How screwed up is Generation Y? <laughs> I remember watching an episode of 30 Rock and Will Arnett played a character where, uh, this is like uh, years ago, um, before Instagram and Vine and all those things, he came, played this character and he was so chuffed with himself, he, he kind of, his t- claim to fame was, hey, remember me? I was the executive that, uh, that mastered the 10-second sitcom. And then they played a 10-second sitcom and everyone laughed like, <laughs> Who's going to watch that? And now, this is what advertising uh, advertisers are paying so much money to get a fifteen-second Vine or a six-fifteen-second se- uh, yes. Instagram or a yes. six-second Vine. Um, how does that make you feel, Kate? Like you know, you're making long-form narrative drama. Old. Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't think the catering show could be longer than seven minutes. Right. You know, I think that's a. It's a. We make our point and we get get out get as out. quickly as we can. Um, but yeah, we have been thinking about maybe doing stuff for different platforms as well. Mm. But whether or not we have the skills, because we're <laughs> very old and tired. I but, thought I'd, I thought I'd play. Um, this is a, a this is a, an Instagram video that is on Facebook to make things more confusing. But I thought I'd play just the kind of the example of what uh, Geordie's been doing on Instagram. Don't you think you're a bit biased? You're right. Perhaps I should determine whether or not I'm biased with some serious soul-searching and... Oh, that's right, I don't have a soul. Fuck you, I'm staying. What?! Looks like the unions are finding out what it's like to be a piece of lint. Doesn't it suck to be in front of a Dyson? Fifteen seconds. How many jokes are in that? Maybe two or three? Yeah. That, that's, pre- right, yeah. that's pretty good. A visual joke. Maybe four. So that's great. <laughs> um, uh, that's Jordan, everyone. Big round of applause. We're going to get to your questions next, so if you've got a question, head to uh, the mic one or mic two over here. Um, uh, so if you want to come on down and ask a question, you can. But before then, I'll, I'll quickly go through some notable mentions. Um, of, these are some people who I've been noticing around the traps doing interesting work that I thought I'd share with you. There's a guy in Melbourne. His name is Reed Parker. Uh, yes. Who's my Twitter friends? Reed, who loves Reed Parker? Three people. Three people love Reed Parker. That's great. Uh, hopefully, after we show you some of his pictures, maybe more of you will. Um, so, Reed, uh, he works in insurance, and he doesn't need Photoshop for his job, but he convinced his boss to expense it. And... <laughs> And ever since then, he has been pumping out some of the most hilarious photoshops and sharing them with the comedy community. Uh, so this is Reid here. Uh, here's some of his things. Abbott loves his onions. That's, what... That's really great. Coal is good for humanity. R- really nice. Back to the 50s. I think that one's really great. <laughs> Certainly on, a, on, a tr- on some sort of trend here, that's for sure. Uh, total recall. I love this. Behind every man is a Rupert Murdoch. And flags. He's got, a, he's, he's got a really good obsession with flags. So there's Tony there, and there's flags everywhere in Parliament House. And then a, a, just a really big flag, maybe. And certainly the wrong flags got ordered for this one. <laughs> so that's Reed Parker. I'll definitely tweet his details after the show as well. Um, Juice Media Rap News. Um, these guys are... Yes! I don't have any examples for them, but they uh, make really high production value rap songs about the news, and their, their work is absolutely sensational. Um, I'll tweet you a link to, to their work as well. Um, and the True Australian Patriots. Uh, this, is a, this is a new group on the scene, um, and they're three Melbourne comics, and they made a parody of the United Patriots front. front. So around June, um, the United Patriots front, they, they popped up and they, they published 
published a video to encourage people to get down to the Reclaim Australia rallies that were happening in July. And this is an example of a true group called the United Patriots Front. This is one of their videos. This is an actual, an actual thing that exists in real life. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what we should be scared of, not terrorists. On July 18th, at Melbourne Parliament House at 1pm, we are having a rally against radical Islam. Australians are fed up. Terrorism will only spread if we do not get on top of it. All patriot groups have put their differences aside because we all have to fight this. Alright? Now, <laughs> if you're a patriotic Australian and you don't belong to a patriot group, you can still attend. If you're a patriotic mum, if you're a patriotic dad, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter whether you surf, whether you're a car enthusiast, whether you're a bikey, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're a patriot, you get to this rally. We are all standing united. Now, it took me a long time to get groups to put their differences aside, but now we are all allied. And I'd like to thank the groups that I've written down here who have decided to put their differences aside and all ally as one. In Melbourne, July 18th, 1pm, Parliament House. The following groups are Reclaim Australia, United Patriots Front, Full-Blooded Skips, Southern Cross Soldiers, Australian Defence League, Australian Republican Army, Aussie Brotherhood, Rise Up Australia and Australian Patriots Defence Movement. I will see you all in Melbourne, July 18th, 1pm, Melbourne, Parliament House. Be there. Because I tell you what, it's going to be the biggest patriot rally you have ever seen in this country. July 18. Hit that, hit that share button. Spread the word. Tell everyone. SMS your mates. Ring your mates. Get your car loads full. Fill the trains. Everyone, get there. Alright? We're standing for this flag. For this country. For your rights. For your children's future. Let's do it. Aussie pride. Isn't that great? Yes. Uh, don't don't clap him. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, can you can you go to the first frame, like the the shot of him there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hang on. And this jumper is certainly oh. custom made. Yeah. But so it's clearly Ned Kelly. It's got such his life. It's got his birth and death dates. It's also got the coat of arms for the nation that didn't exist at those birth and death dates. I reckon Ned Kelly ever wore the flag on the top of that. <laughs> yeah, he would have. The flag didn't exist back then. No, he was he was pretty Irish. <laughs> I also like the uh, visual semantics of this, or the, or the, sim, uh, the symbols of this of this shoot. Like it's uh, it looks just very Al Qaeda circa 2002. <laughs> um, and seriously, if you're going to wage war against Daesh, they've got much better production values now, so, you know, the racists really need to pick up their game. Uh, so this is what the true Australian patriots came... This is how the true Australian patriots came about. That video hit uh, a comedian's web uh, Facebook page and we all started piling in, and then three great comics from Melbourne made this. A lot of Islamists think they can come here to Australia. Oh, we're going to put in halal laws. Take away your chicken nuggets, make them halal. Well, guess what? Australians are learning how to fight back. Check it out.
you want to come to Australia? Yeah, thought not. <laughs> Fantastic. And um, they didn't stop there. They also have a message for us here. We are the true Australian patriots and we have not been invited to the festival of dangerous ideas because our ideas are too dangerous. Well, guess what? We, we don't, don't want to come! <laughs> festival of dangerous ideas sounds to me like a group of left-wing... Well, what I've basically noticed is an Islamification of Australian culture. Um, for example... We're not a racist organisation. Islamic is not a race. A true Australian patriot is someone who says, no, I will not accept these lies that are given to me. We've got heaps of members that aren't white people. There's some Asian bloke that comes around, um, Friday? There's more mosques at the moment than red roosters and they're springing up. I think there's something like 40, 47,000 different mosques that are actually earmarked to go ahead. One of you statistically in this room watching is going to have your head cut off this week. You want to spend your time in the opera house, go for it. I've got bigger fish to fry. I'm frying fish. I saw the head of Rainbow Lorikeet and basically it was Muslims. The first time I ever met a lefty, he physically stank like the rotting bowels of a dead fish. And I thought, is this the kind of Australia I want for my kids? No. My final message to Sydney Opera House is if you lefties want to sit there on your asses and talk real cool, well, whatever. But Australia's burning. Great. That's uh, Melbourne comedians Greg Larson, Ad Edmonds, and Damien Powell. If you've got questions, please come to the microphone and uh, and share us your questions, uh, and uh, we'll have we'll have a chat. Now satire is kind of blowing up, as we've seen. You know, you guys. Did, clearly demonstrative of that, of it's blowing up online. I don't think blowing up is the right word. Uh, but why, why do we think the internet is a great space for, for this kind of, kind of humour? Um, James? Um, because the, the internet has, for better or worse, a place where people get to choose their own narratives. They, like, there's that old thing of uh, you, you, can, you can choose your opinion, but you can't choose the facts. On the <laughs> internet, you can choose your facts. So you really only need to see the world you already agree with uh, and that's why things that we like and also things we don't like go very large because people get to choose their own narratives in a way that you can't when there are a couple of news channels and a couple of newspapers who already, secrets out, kind of have their own as well. <laughs> that's right. All right, let's go for question number one over here. I guess this is a question kind of for James and working on SVS Comedy. I've heard at The Onion the process of choosing a headline is quite a gruelling and unfunny one. Um, they just sort of read out headlines and they yep. kind of cut them down until they've worked out the best ones. How much stuff that you guys work on ends up kind of on the cutting room floor? Uh, uh, an awful lot. Uh, every morning and afternoon there is a... Uh, we work through a Facebook group and there is a panic thread of, is this, it? Is this an idea? Are these words? I'm not really sure how 
how this is coming together. Maybe that's bad. Oh, we're we implying the right thing. And it goes through a really horrible meat grinder. Then we get all the way to the end and work out if it still makes sense from the beginning. So sometimes it comes to us really well. Uh, sometimes it takes, it is like uh, uh, like putting needles in your fingers. I, sorry, I had to think of something bad quickly. Um, <laughs> that but, yeah, the, yeah, that metaphor. <laughs> but, uh, and sometimes the best times, it comes early, it's really great, and SBS's lawyers say you cannot run that. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of interesting with Facebook um, and, and um, satire. Uh, Facebook have been testing satire tags on um, satire posts, particularly from The Onion. Um, is that a good or a bad thing, uh, James Jericho? What do you think? Oh, it ruins the joke a little bit, doesn't it? But I, I wish Facebook would, would extend it and have, like, a boring or a crap or, a, <laughs> you know, your, your mate's dinner kind of tag so you can just scroll past it. <laughs> Excellent. Let's go to question number two over here. Um, as everyone, as, as satirists and, and people who make comments on important issues in politics, how much are you driven by looking at politics and finding a funny joke versus um, looking at politics and wanting to make a point and making it through satire? Mm, making a point through satire versus the joke. Um, Beck? Um, well, I would say that my... Basically what the note of feminism does is draw directly from the movement itself. So um, if I'm ever stuck for ideas, I just go to the Women Against Feminism Facebook page and there's a bevy of ideas <laughs> to make fun of there. Oh. Um, and it works out because it's also political and they're idiots sometimes. Jordan, what, <laughs> Jordan, what, Jordan, what about you? Um, do you does it require... Do you, are you out there to make points or are you out there to make jokes? I'm out there to make points. I used to be out there to make jokes, but then I just realised I've got, like, 100,000 people listening to me now that, like, didn't listen to the news before <laughs> that, including myself, so I'm, like, educating myself as well, but it's just... It's terrifying me that, like, this is happening and people are like, good joke, man, nice joke. Yeah, but it's real. It's real! <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> How terrifying is that? Tell someone! <laughs> James Colley? I, I think this is, like, this is the crux of what we're getting at here. Like, uh, satire is the dog biscuit you give someone for paying attention to what you're trying to say. It's like, if you get through the next sentence of this awful news story, I'm going to give you a treat, and you can have a little belly laugh, and then we'll move on to the next awful thing that's happening. Yeah. yeah. Kate, do you, do, you have the, do you have the same approach as these guys um, when you're creating your work? Um, yeah, yeah. Trying to sort of make a point or a joke, just a pointy joke. A pointy a joke. Shank. A, a shank. A <laughs> shank. Yeah. Thanks for that question. Uh, question number one. Um, I have a question about... You touched on it briefly. There's a lack of right-wing satire. Does that have anything to do with kind of the comedian's principle of punching up, not down? That's a, that's a really good question. I think it can be done. Um, what do you think, Kate? I can't think of any examples, but possibly because I just watch what I like and what I like <laughs> is, is the punching up stuff. Um, I don't know. What does anyone else think? 
There, like there, there are a couple, and yeah, it, it does often it does come to that. But I don't think strictly punching up is something that the left wing owns either. I think you can be right wing and do that. But what I think it often comes in, particularly when in waves like now, where it happens to be blowing up here, is that satire chases power. Like I don't I don't know a, satire, a satirist who, luckily, like uh, in most cases, and I think it should be in all cases. Satire is independent. You can't have a satirist who is in bed with a political party because you're not a satirist then, you're, you make propaganda. Whether you're making propaganda for people we like or not, you're making propaganda if you, are, you have a political agenda or a political party behind it. You can have political thought, of course, and if that aligns with a the party, then maybe you should vote for them but you shouldn't be driven by the party. So I think that it is entirely possible and should have right-wing satire. Of course they should, because the left-wing messes up a lot as well. But I think that satire naturally chases power because it's more fun to shout at giants. So you need the left-wing power. The reason you rarely see shovel or backburner articles about the Greens is the Greens rarely drive the narrative. If they were driving the narrative, they would be hit more. Mm. Interesting. Um, Oh, on that, um, how, what is like the most, um, with, with your work, what, is, what has been with all of you a moment where you think you might have gone too far? <laughs> the SBS guys have got the luxury of lawyers to tell them when they're going too far. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when they do. I, th- I think you self-regulate a little bit. But um, I, don't th- I don't think anything is off limits, but I think it's the way that you tackle that. And I think, you know, we've talked about punching up, but, like, there are some things that aren't, that aren't funny, um, but the way that we react to those things can be, and I think that that's, that's kind of where, where satire kind of... That's, that's its place, I think. Yeah. James, have you uh, been in trouble for any of your work? Oh, yeah, but, like, trouble and believing you've gone too far are two different things. Like, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. People are cowards and rich people have lawyers. So, like, that happens. Beck, have you got an example? Uh, No, because I just um, can delete tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Geordie? No, I've been threatened to be sued many times, actually. Really? But, um, yeah, like, again, you know, just... Three guess is true. Like, I can't tell you which, but, you know, the, the, <laughs> one of the main political parties that I just address everything to, much like I, I completely disagree with James about propaganda, full-on propaganda for Labor and the Greens all the way. <laughs> That's all I fucking do. <laughs> Don't clap. I'm and really so, afraid yeah, Basically, listening. just Liberal voters... I, I, apparently, this is a tactic of the Liberal Party. They send out emails to people just being like, this is in violation, I'm going to talk to my lawyer and stuff. And then pa- what you do is you just send uh, an email back saying, OK... Let me talk to your lawyer. You never hear anything again because it's freedom of speech, baby. Use it, you know? <laughs> uh, if any freedom of speech was a real thing. Um, <laughs> did you have another question? Uh, yeah, Jordan, can you sign my Yilmaz shirt after this? <laughs> you got one? <laughs> With pleasure, man. Bell. Thank you very much. This is great. Okay, great. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know, Yilmaz was a guy at my high school that I just make fun of and that's how I get most people suck it in and then they'll just be like, and oh, also, did you know the Liberal Party's evil? We've like, we got time for one, one last question over here. Uh, yeah, how much room uh, and potential is there for satire in traditional media like TV and radio 
And do you think it's being steamrolled or created out by the briefer forms that you spoke about here tonight? I think certainly um, satire is a lot harder to do in traditional media than it ever has been, um, particularly in um, uh, on public broadcasters. Uh, everyone is pretty much on their toes. I can say this because I'm no longer an employee of a public broadcaster. James, you don't have to say anything. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it, it actually is really difficult. Um, what is so annoying, though, is whenever we work in the public broadcasting system, we have enormous editorial policies to get through for every joke we make. So it, it's so annoying that, that the, the, those public broadcasters are risk-adverse due to the current climate, but it's also so annoying that, um, that we, we are made to kind of jump through these hoops to get anything made at all. So if you see something on a public broadcast and you go, oh, they didn't go as hard as they could, there's reasons for that. <laughs> um, Thank you so much for your question. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Um, it's really exciting. Please thank these guys.